3: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: log Talk Radio.
5: Revolution featuring your host, Heidi Ludmer.
2: Welcome, everyone, to this month's episode of Revolution. Thank you for listening. To begin the show, I am once again joined for our roundtable by my co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald, John Carousella, and Deb Carousella. And as usual, we have a provocative topic to discuss and hopefully to cause you who are listening to spin your wheels and, and think about what it is you might feel or have thoughts about regarding this topic. Uh, of course, if you have any comments or anything you'd like to add to our discussion, you're always welcome to jump over to Facebook at facebook.com slash Revolution with Hi-C, and offer your input, join the conversation. We're always happy to hear what people think about what it is we have to discuss. So our topic today is going to look at the idea and perhaps the differences between the concepts of helping, fixing, and serving. And is there a difference? Are there similarities? Do they work together? Are we doing one versus the other at any given moment? Or can we be doing more than one at the same time? So the first thing that I would like to put out and pose to my co-hosts is when you hear those terms, how would you perhaps define helping, fixing, and service or serving?
5: Well, um I see I think that this is a it's a good question and it's something that people should probably be aware of because there is a I think a subtle difference between helping, fixing and serving and I think um the difference is from where it's coming from within yourself. And also not only is it where does it come from within yourself, but how is it received by the other party um i think can have a lot to do with what's going on as well and of course we don't have any control over how it is being received um all we can do is consider where it's coming from from within ourselves and there are moments i think when we've taken action or we we enter into um uh, something with the point of view of fixing it and um, solving a problem for someone. And sometimes we do that because we truly believe that we have the answer and our way is the way. Sometimes we do do it out of a sense of concern and true selfless motivation for the other. And I think as long as a person is Cognizant of where it's coming from and why it's coming for them, um then you can make your diff- you can make your choice. You can make your decision as to how what you're putting out there may be received, and what you're putting out there, how it can do the best good.
3: yeah, I like that, Deb. And for me, and Hi C and for John, when I look at the service part, It vibrates to me as a sense of being, as if there's an umbrella. And under that umbrella, I would put things like helping and fixing and assisting or aiding different sub-vibrations there. And the overall theme of being of service, when I look at that, would be a sense of non-attachment or having no agenda or exercising discernment and knowing when to disengage. So I really like... Helping and fixing in the same category as aiding, um, doing. They're all doers for me, but need to be done from the being state of being of service.
2: And I think something you said there also, um, the way I tend to think of it too, helping and fixing tend to be more action-oriented, whereas service tends to be more presence-oriented. And helping and fixing are about doing something towards a particular end, uh, towards a particular goal. Service can be simply being present with. And so you can sit with someone who needs to vent or who needs to cry and be in service to them without necessarily fixing the problem for them. Because that may not be your place, which I think is your uh, idea of disengagement. Uh, and so, to me, I would think of that separation there with helping and fixing being more action-oriented and service being more presence-oriented.
3: And to, and to me, Kaisi, also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but for the the being of service, to me, it also, if I may add one more thing to it, it also implies a sense of discipline or rigor to be in that being state. Because you can get really wrapped up in the doing part and lose your being state of being present because, because doing is very seductive.
0: We very much. So very much. So I agree. Mildred Lynn's comment um, resonates with me. It's taken me a really long time to move from fixing to helping to service. And, and, you know, because, because fixing always presumed that I knew what was broken uh, and that I knew how to fix it. And that's a, there's a huge amount of ego was a huge amount of ego in that for me, at least. And helping made me feel, you know, it was about me. It was, it was about me feeling like I was rescuing something. And again, a, a big uh, attachment to what my, what my role was and, and how that made me feel and what, was, what I was trying to satisfy within myself. And over time, as I've been walking down on the spiritual path more and more, it really does feel quite different to, as I like to say, serve without ego. You know, you bring your gifts out into the world, you make yourself available to To serve in whatever way your gifts are, you know, predispose you to serve. And if, if no one takes you up on that, or if the person or the persons that you offer your service to don't take you up on it, that should be okay. Right. There should no attachment to that. And I, that's one of the things I try to practice is not being attached to someone rejecting my offer of service and if it's service, it really is much easier to do than if I'm offering to help someone and they spurn it or if I'm I'm trying to fix something and it's rejected. So it, all in all, choosing to put yourself in the frame of service, presence and willingness to to be available to serve takes a ton of pressure off and allows me to participate with greater freedom and greater joy fundamentally.
2: And I think that's because fixing and helping tend to be more quantifiable. And so we tend to look at it as, did I do it right or did it work? Whereas service is a bit less quantifiable in that specific sense. And we can say that we were of service regardless of how something turned out, because if we're in service, we may have been there and offered support or been there and done what we could in that time. And regardless of how it ended up, we don't have to look at what we did as somehow right or wrong in terms of the service that we provided because we weren't trying to fix or help. We were simply being there. And to me, that speaks to that freedom you're talking about. It gives ourselves that freedom and permission to offer what we have, but not be attached to necessarily some sort of right, wrong, or quantifiable outcome versus simply being there and offering what we have. So the impetus for this was from a talk at the, uh, or in the Noetic Sciences Review by Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen, and there's a couple of things that she said that I just wanted to see how you feel about her particular perspective on helping, fixing, and service. You know, One of the things she says, which I think will echo something that you said, John, is that when you help, you see life as weak. When you fix, you see life as broken. But when you are in service, you see life as a whole. So how do you feel when you hear that? Do you think that there is a kind of a tendency towards seeing things as weak or broken when we're going into fix-it or helping mode? Versus service, seeing things more holistically?
3: For me, when you read about fixing and helping and being in service, I look at them all as positive life force energy. So I believe that the person that had written that article or provided that blog posting had a different take on it. And when I read through it, it really didn't resonate with me because my perception and my experience is different. So that's what I wanted to offer.
0: Uh, I would say that um, the that it's, you know, I, I do resonate with what um, Dr. Remen wrote, because when you fix something, when you're trying to fix something, you do see it as broken. Uh, at least I do. And and when when you when I offer to help from that place, I do see someone or something that is weak. And I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. When you zoom out to uh, one hundred thousand feet, of course, life is whole. but we we do have the excitement and the complexity of living in this material plane where people get boo-boos, you know, People get broken legs, people um, suffer, and sometimes helping because someone is weak or fixing because something is broken. Is is exactly what's called for, and that can be in service uh, for sure. Um, it can also be, like I, as I described earlier, not so uh, benignly in service. It can be something that we do for for our ego. But I, I think it's okay to to look at these things, you know, in a in a dualistic way and see certain things as broken, see certain things as weak. That um compel us through compassion to be of assistance to be of service in fixing or helping so it works so it both works both ways for me i think
5: i found that um reading the article and the post um uh, it did not resonate positively with me i also must admit that for myself personally, I find the word service to be a problem. I do not disagree whatsoever with any of the sentiment that has been expressed around service and what it means and, and how it can be uh, expressed. But the word itself bugs the crap out of me. Uh, why? Really, why? I, because service for me is servitude. There is this overwhelming sense of losing oneself, and I do not like that at all. Intellectually, I completely understand the sentiment and the, um, what's been expressed around the word that we are using it and as, and as we are using it right now. But the word itself, totally, to- I, I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to be in service to anyone. But that's only because I don't like the word. I I have no objection whatsoever to being present, to being available, to being compassionate, to being open. But the word service is just, I, I want no part of it.
2: So if you went to volunteer at a food bank, you're not really fixing something. You could say that you're helping to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times we see things like doing that, like volunteering in those kind of capacities as being in service. And and do you see that as people losing themselves, or is there another term that you would feel more comfortable with, or do you think that that just falls under helping?
5: I like helping. I like being present. Yeah, there's something about service that just just totally... Trips all of my all of my wires, and it's I just can't get my I just can't get behind it. The word Deb,
3: what about this? Is how I understand where you're coming from because being in service is not my natural speak, and it's not the natural way I think. Mm-hmm. And how I where I put it is, or I take take it and translate it into: Am I in alignment with my highest purpose? So is this not my highest purpose to? help or aid or fix or assist or whatever you wouldn't you just would not hear me
5: talking about being in service because it's not my, my natural state right and i and i think that's it, in essence what i'm trying to to articulate uh,
0: does it, it, it maybe it feels like um that leaves you vulnerable to being taken advantage of
5: um possibly uh, cuz i have thought i tried to think about it a little bit and there's, I, I think a lot of it is, um, it's not so much that I'm concerned about being vulnerable and being taken advantage of. It's the, the assumption that unless one comes from a place of complete egolessness and anonymity and that there's no value there that the individual no longer has a place in what is being offered. And I don't find that to be true. I I have no problem whatsoever with acknowledging what it takes for a person to put themselves out there, to do what they do, to offer. I don't think they have to be on some other spiritual plane in order for it to be uh, of value. And... So the whole concept of of service and and being above ego, I don't believe that it's necessary, I think, is where it's coming from. And I don't find that I have an an issue with an individual maintaining who they are on on the physical plane and and still being what they offer of ultimate value. So in a way, being in alignment is, is very close to, you know, as Mildred was expressing it, it's, it's, yes, um, for me, being present is also a very close descriptor to how it feels internally for me. It's just the word service. And it's, it's, I guess it just smacks of um, sanctum, you know, and and sanctimonious it, people do that. <laughs>
4: yes, and it's
0: it, it's too it's too loaded a word for me. So, so if you were to say, "I'm going to be present and offer my help,"
5: to me, that's what you're describing it when you have talked about service versus helping and fixing. To me, that's what you're saying. Mm.
2: Well, wow. obviously, this is a very provocative and contentious <laughs> topic of discussion. So I would encourage people listening if they would like to see the original post of information that this was that this grew out of. Um, just do a quick Google search. The blog post was called "Only Service Heals," and it's by Rachel naomi remen r. e m e n. and let us know what you think about these terms, uh, what they mean to you, and if you feel there should be either some different terms or some different ways of thinking about or looking at what they are about. So my thanks to my co-hosts, Mildred Lynn McDonald, John Carousella, and Deb Carousella, for being willing to honestly engage in discussing this. And I will encourage you to stay tuned. Uh, and of course, if you're interested in getting a reading during the show, you can Skype in or you can call 646 716 5510 in order to get in the queue. And we will be offering those a little bit later in the show as well.
4: So thanks
2: for listening
4: and stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay.
5: Listening to Revolution with host Heisey Lutmers. Find out more at facebook.com slash Revolution with C. Enjoy the show.
6: not just calories but it is information it actually talks to your dna and tells it what to do the most powerful tool to change your health and environment and in fact the entire world is your fork i am linda wiley and this is living well with linda your monthly guide to the well-being of your body, mind, and spirit. It's about an alternative approach to life, healing, and living well in our changing world. Food is alive. It is a being. It is a sacred being. Food is not just our vital need. It is the web of life. Vandana Shiva our body is a machine for living it is organized for that it is its nature let life go on in it unhindered and let it defend itself it will do more than if you paralyze it by encumbering it with remedies leo tolstoy war and peace to realize our Connection with all of life and the plant and animal kingdom, and how we support and help each other in our process. I am Linda Wiley, and this is Living Well with
2: Linda. Thank you again for joining us here to share your wisdom and experience. And maybe you can let my listeners know what kind of work it is that you do and what kind of services and things that you offer people.
6: I am a caterer. I've been in the food industry for 40 years. I do healing retreats. I also do healing with people around food and their emotional issues that we can talk about. I'm a permaculturist. I can help with your garden, how to create abundance within your life and resiliency. And I love talking with anybody about these things that further benefit humanity and ourselves
2: we're you know just now into april a sense of freshness spring is in full gear and actually on thursday we had the the new moon in aries which is astrologically the the symbol of a whole new year phase so it's a great time to be planting new seeds, literally. It's also a great time to be planting the seeds of our intentions and goals for the next year and what it is we want to see grow and thrive and come to full bloom and fruition in ourselves, in our lives, in our world. You know, over the next year. So I, I'm I'm curious if you have any new seeds that you're planting, and and if you you know what thoughts are kind of coming up for you as you think about the next year in this energy of renewal and refreshment as we spring into this next cycle of things. Yes, thank you so much.
6: I do have some um, ideas about new ways of approaching things and understanding things from a, a deeper perspective. And a couple of the things that I want to talk about today, of course, as always would be food. And now is a great time, like you say, to set intentions for our food because fresh food is bringing up everywhere along with the flowers and it's so beautiful. And then how do we really care for ourselves? You know, the self-care kind of thing and a new a term in the medical world, perhaps maybe not really new, but it's called functional medicine. And so I kind of wanted to address that because it's a holistic, integrative approach to our health and well-being. And many of us are stuck and lost in the big pharma paradigm, and this offers us a fresh approach. So uh, the the man that I like to quote and talk about is Dr. Mark Hyman. He's a big mover and shaker in the functional medicine world. And so just to start, functional medicine addresses the underlying causes of disease. It uses a systems-oriented approach and engages both the patient and the practitioner in a therapeutic partnership. It's an evolution in the practice of medicine in that it better addresses the healthcare needs of the 21st century. By shifting the traditional disease-centered focus of medical practice to a more patient-centered approach, functional medicine addresses the whole person, not just an isolated set of symptoms. And that's really where we've lost our way in the big pharma paradigm because they pay no attention to you or what you have to say or what you're feeling. It's just here, take this pill and you'll be fine. So functional medicine practitioners spend time with their patients, listening to their histories and looking at the interactions among genetic, environmental, and lifestyle factors that can influence long-term health and complex chronic disease. In this way, functional medicine supports the unique expression of health and vitality for each individual. Because indeed, as all of our bodies are different and require different foods at different times and our blood types and whatever we happen to be dealing with and everything. So you can't say one pill fits everything, just like one food doesn't fit for every body. So he has this quote. Dr. Mark Hyman that I really like and thought that this would be a good way to jump into our food part today. So he says food is not just calories but it is information. It actually talks to your DNA and tells it what to do. The most powerful tool to change your health and environment and in fact the entire world is your fork. Imagine that. All things (laughs) a fork. So I wanted to kind of take off from that. So The importance of food cannot be overlooked or underestimated. In today's ever-changing world, attention to details is critical if health is our goal. We must read the labels and look for and buy food items with the smallest list of ingredients. And if you can't pronounce it or it does not sound like food, don't buy it. You don't want to put your fork into that, put it in your body. And it's really important to buy as much local, seasonal, and organic food as possible because not only does it benefit our bodies, but it benefits the environment and our community and all people of the world, actually. So it becomes a win-win situation. And for me, within the world today, only when it's win-win does it warrant any kind of validity at all. So the essence of food is actually what nourishes us in the deepest sense of things. It's not so much about the calories, like he says, the proteins, fats, or carbohydrates, but it's actually the spirit that is within all phenomena that gives life today. It is what we are and is what feeds us, the body, mind, and spirit, all one being. When food is altered, we connect the dot that it also might alter our genes and our health. If you want to control a population, Well, what do you do? Food and drugs. This is why it's so critical that we say no to non-food, fake food, fast food, and only buy and eat good, wholesome, organic, local, seasonal food. For it feeds and strengthens our DNA. That's in only pure, clean food like that can communicate with the body. Otherwise, all it does is compromise and muck up and, and create ill health within the being so you know like the old saying that we have well you've got to change the oil in your engine to make it last and it's the same with food if if we really want this engine this machine our beautiful body to work right and to have all the health and well-being and actually be able to heal itself and take care of all the toxins that bombard us daily within the world today then we need to eat good clean food keep our minds clear be free of drugs you know in the worst sense of that word and exercise and have water good clean water that's the oil for our engine is is clean water it's so important and most people are chronically dehydrated today actually and a dirty colon or a toxic colon and lack of water dehydration is the breeding ground for every single disease that we get today. So it's really not hard to be healthy. It just takes being present and attentive to the details. It's as easy to say no as it is to say yes if we are present with ourselves and what is happening. Food is a physical act of taking spirit and feeding our bodies with it. Honor it, love it, give thanks for it. It is a gift of remembrance in the true light of understanding for taking this fact in has the potential to change our relationship with and to food and with the magic and beauty of life. for it will open your heart, and that is what the world needs today.
2: Well, I think that's the, the perfect seed of thought to plant for people in this beginning of a new cycle to ponder to consider and it's one of the big themes especially over the next few months astrologically is paying attention to what we need versus what we want and to become more of a guardian so that we are taking care of ourselves taking care of what is needed taking care of the world around us versus being the warrior which is just out conquering something else doing something else trying to make something else happen
6: and also being the victim Because many of us get into the victim mode. Oh, I can't change my health. Oh, what can I do about it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so what? Pick your fork up and (laughs) be present about how you want to eat, the details and changing how we look at life. It's really important today not to pass by, so to
4: speak.
2: So are there any particular or foods or recipes or things that you associate with this time of year that would be really helpful or beneficial as part of this process?
6: Yes, I do. Um, as I say, it's that time of year once again, spring. And what time does that represent? Clean your liver time. Eat lots of green, steamed, raw juice sautéed with garlic. Keep the diet simple. Sprouts are good to add at this time of year, too, because as we look around, everything is sprouting up. It's all the fresh little sprouts, and so we want to take all of that primal energy, I guess you would call it, that's within the sprouts, and put those into our bodies, too, along with the greens that clean the liver and allow for that process to happen. So lots of salads, carrots, beets, all those kinds of things are just wonderful right now. And strawberries are coming along, too. And strawberries are one of the really great fruits to eat because they're low on the on the glycemic level of things. They help detoxify the body. They're the first fruits of spring. The little flowers are beautiful to eat, too, to put on your food. The, and I have violets happening in my garden. Violets are wonderful to eat. You know, flowers used to be used a lot within the medicinal world, and people used to use them way more often than than we do today they definitely have qualities of health and well-being and energetic properties that heal us as well so anyway with the strawberries here's an idea something different a spinach strawberry roasted almond salad with feta olive oil and red wine vinegar delicious and then asparagus one of my all-time favorite veggies it's so elegant and stately How about a goat cheese asparagus quesadilla with tomatillo salsa? Yummy. And serve it with a black bean artichoke stew because artichokes are happening now too. All my favorite things, really, strawberries, artichokes, asparagus. And then you could make a um, spring pea saute using celery, red onions, garlic, snow peas, snap peas, shelling peas. You could use some mushrooms in there. Sauté them with Bragg's, which is a liquid amino. And then put it over quinoa with leeks. It's a really, really good little dinner. And don't forget strawberry shortcake. You can have gluten-free strawberry shortcake biscuits. And you can get organic coconut cream in little small cans. And you open that up, whip it up, put some vanilla and maple syrup on it, and put that on top of your strawberry shortcake with some violet flowers on the top. Delicious. And get your hands in the dirt. Pull some weeds. Muck around in the dirt because it's so symbolic. Everything is symbolic. When I'm pulling the weeds out of my garden, I'm pulling the weeds out of myself. Pull all those composted, things that we don't need that don't service anymore, just pull, pull them right out, put them into the new compost pile. And water is so critical really, I can't say enough how important clean water is, especially at this time of year when we're cleansing naturally, the body wants to cleanse. And so a gallon of water is not out of the question. And it sometimes takes some time for the body to be able to accommodate that. People think, oh, my God, a gallon of water. But honestly, it's easy to do and it's it's really worth it.
2: So you were talking about functional medicine and then you mentioned that this is a really great time for like a liver detox and also for cleansing the body. Um, do you have some suggestions on things that people can use or things they can do that specifically are for the cleansing process that specifically target removing toxins and things out of the, the liver? Um, because I think this is a, uh, another way for people to realize that functional medicine means that what you eat or the herbs that you use Uh, what you drink has a function and a purpose. It's not there just to taste good necessarily, but to think about what else can it serve for me. So I'm wondering, since this is that time of year, are there things specifically you can suggest for helping to detox the liver, helping to cleanse the body, uh, to to be in in alignment with the energies of the season?
6: Yes, that's a good question. And so I think uh, for me, Uh, fasting is appropriate in the spring colonics and enemas are also appropriate Um, and again eating lots of greens there's also a liver tincture that we can use uh, milk thistle and maybe it has some other herbs in it that are really cleansing and healing for the liver so perhaps some of that again the drinking of the water green juices simple food it's it's a time of simplicity really because when we look to nature we see that there's not really a lot that we can eat but what is there really is greens. so I'm just saying you know with fasting and eating greens and drinking je- greens and keeping the diet simple and lots of water this is a, a great way to start that's not really extreme you don't have to be really extreme i think unless you're really really sick and you're really really working deeply on on some big detox issues um that's what i would recommend
2: so would that include like for fasting instead of like i have to do you know 14 days of fasting it could be that one day a week we set aside as a fasting day uh, you know so that it gives our body a chance to Release whatever might have built up throughout the week. It allows us our body to kind of reset and prepare itself for the coming week. Um, and if that's the case, what's your suggestion regarding the process of fasting itself? If somebody was going to do it in a gentle way like that, like, say, for a day, uh, you know, in order to just um, to do it effectively without mm-hmm. it being extreme and then suddenly, you know, collapsing halfway through the day when right. you're out of the store or something... <laughs>
6: So the most important thing about fasting is um, our liquid intake. And because when the body isn't fat when when the body fasts, then it's naturally releasing the toxins. and so to keep the water going and drink your green drinks, uh, I think is is simple. And one day really allows the body just one day. One day a week, and maybe a couple days a week. You don't have to do it in a row. If you feel like maybe a weekend fast or something, but you remember too that when you fast for more than a, you know, more, more than a day, when you come back to eating, like if you fasted for a weekend or something, you want to start really easy. You want to just eat some raw fruit. You know, break back into your food within a couple of days' time, just don't go heavy back into all your food right
2: away. And I think that you can enhance the water that you might drink throughout the day by adding, say, um, fresh-squeezed lemon juice. Indeed. Um,
6: Some people put a little Himalayan salt mm
2: -hmm, in mm -hmm. with
6: the lemon water because that will give you uh, more minerals.
2: And it also helps the body retain the water uh, during the fasting period a little more.
6: Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And
6: it also actually helps the body to reset itself because it's getting all those minerals in there, which actually, as the statement says above, that that then is talking to our DNA.
2: And I think that also um, if somebody wanted, I would think also you could take activated charcoal. Activated um, during during the fast, because it's going to help to get in there and, and pull some of those things out as well. Um, and then the liquids are going to help to flush what it's helping to pull out. But it's a little more, not aggressive, but it's just a little more working at that process that you can yes. add to um, what you're doing.
4: Yes,
6: that's a, a great um, thing too, the activated charcoal. Just like you said... Keep the water flowing. That That's the most important thing on a fast because otherwise you're going to tend... To, because the water is what's going to carry the toxins out and the activated charcoal that's full of all those toxins needs the water to be flushed out too.
2: And perhaps starting and ending the day with some apple cider vinegar. Because that, that can that can stimulate the process at the beginning of the day, it gets the body's metabolism really activated. And then at the end of the day, it can help overnight to perhaps um, continue to finish the process for you. Uh, Now, the one thing I will say about that is if people are dealing with some inflammation of some sort, the apple cider vinegar isn't necessarily the best thing to use. You, you could use that in the morning, but especially at night, I would recommend something that is a little softer but will still help either drinking some aloe vera juice um, or it's actually also recommended that you take, like, a couple tablespoons of olive oil um, before awesome. you go to bed because that helps to ease inflammation and really lubricates the system overnight for it to, to to calm itself down and then to just, you know, heal and release what it needs to so that you start the next day fresh. But I just wanted to toss that in because there can be reasons not to do apple cider vinegar, and especially if inflammation is involved in the body, something gentler like aloe vera juice, olive oil, can, can still help in a similar way but help with the inflammation as well rather than perhaps exacerbate it that the apple cider vinegar might.
6: Perhaps, yes. And also I'm thinking like ginger, uh, a ginger tea is also helps anti-inflammatory, kind of warms the body, maybe helps the body to uh, release some of the toxins because actually, that's what it's all about is is helping the inflammation. And when the body rests, it has more ability to release the inflammation. But here's something that I want to share too, because in my process, in my own process, I have found, that the false beliefs that I carry about myself and about the world also create inflammation within the body. And so by looking more deeply within ourselves, because spring is also this time of, of clearing, as we look within during the winter months, then here we go with the spring to, to start to release it. So the inner work is as important as the balancing with with our food because it's it's all together and i just had a huge release of the inflammation from from my being all the heavy work dark deep deep work that i've been doing these last few years and there was one final little piece and it was a big healing crisis and everything but honestly once that left there was this lightness inside of myself. There was a more clarity. There was more energy. Uh, a happiness. A happiness. Actually to be happy. Imagine that. So that, that is health. Health is happiness and peace. When the body is healthy, it's peaceful and it's happy. There's joy. And so these are ways that we know also when we need to do some more emotional and physical cleaning. When we feel glomped up within our inner reality.
2: And I think that that also can easily tie into deciding whether you're going to do a intensive 14-day cleanse or right. just like one day a week or a weekend a month or something like that. Because if you can associate the idea of what is getting cleansed, flushed, cleaned out of the system, is whatever has built up that's not healthy. And then we relate that to the deeper work of emotional toxicity and other things that have built up that may not be healthy or may be weighing us down, being that heaviness that you're talking about, then if we are doing a physical care of cleansing once a week or once a month, we could then say, and I'm also going to use that as the reminder on a regular basis, once a week, once a month, whatever, to check in with myself. Yes. And to see what it is I I might need to be working on or to recognize the progress I've made on something, uh, you know, so it, it can serve as that little, it's like like with the Apple Watches now, you know, you have this little thing that it doesn't yeah. really buzz, it kind of vibrates you, but it reminds you like to stand up every, you know, 20 minutes or something and that kind of thing. And, and this would be kind of the little buzz of a reminder that, that triggers you to think, oh, have I done my work for this week is there something I need to make sure I'm not holding on to etc and hopefully that becomes a regular part of the routine so we're doing it on the physical level as well as the mental level emotional level and spiritual level by using the physical as the trigger
6: and the physical for me is the trigger because that's where all these things get glomped up inside of us and again it's about being present and noticing the details and, and putting our attention on life because there's so many ways for us to be distracted within the world today that we forget about these things. And if we make a little routine like you're suggesting, okay, once a month we fast or every, every other weekend or however it is, like the Google Watch, it's a reminder, oh, let me be present here and let me feel into myself and let me give this time to myself. For just that. And I, I believe that if the world could do this on a more regular basis that the heart would be more engaged in life and that indeed the world would become a different place.
2: Because also it reminds us to slow down. Because yes. a lot of times when you're doing the fast, even it's for a day, it's, it's better not to plan all sorts of physical activity and a hundred different things to do versus it's right. like, okay, you know what? I need to just chill for the day And allow this to happen and not have a lot planned, which is a reminder of am I taking the time to chill, to pause, even for my inner self?
6: And the intention is very important, very important, setting that intention. Because when the universe hears that, for me, my experiences anyway, with the intention and I settle down onto it, What we have to be aware of is that maybe something might come that we maybe don't want to see or maybe that we're afraid to see or whatever. So there's something about being able in our intention to be open to what might come because we have to face our darkness and we have to move through it to clear that inflammation, to clear those places that uh, bog us down and so on and so forth. So to realize that some things might come up. But when we take care of it in a loving way and we, our intention is to look at it, we find that it actually dissipates quite quickly when we, when we open to
5: it.
2: Well, and also if we, if we see it coming up and we stop at that point to pause and yes. to work through it or to deal with it, rather than to mask push the it down. symptom, push it down, not deal with it, it's just going to continue to get exacerbated and get worse which and can it make it like, much right which can make it much more difficult to deal with later and can have secondary effects the longer that it is allowed to linger and i think that's why it's important for people to remember as well the physical aspect of it the physical manifestation the physical symptom if that's the trigger that physical thing is actually the last part of the process because it's the, right. it's the physical indication of something else that's been going on deeper. You know, the the physical indication isn't going to be the thing that sets off the emotional thing. It's the emotional thing that is now manifested as the physical thing. So if we're dealing with a physical issue of any sort, then it's 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 our calling to uh, it's our our wake up to remember or to see oh something has gotten to the point where it needs to be dealt with because it's now manifesting physically. Not manifesting physically is not I'm going to nip it in the bud before it happens.
6: Because fully agree. I mean, where does cancer come from? From the complications within our mental, spiritual, physical bodies and we're not being present with it, we're not paying attention to the details and now we're really sick.
2: So... Will say because oh, I know that, genesis, huh? but well, I, I will say with that because sometimes that's that can be a, a delicate area. We don't want people to feel as if they're to blame for their cancer, it, but it's it's because the genetics can play a part in that for certain. It's just that the genetic part can um, be more easily triggered if we're not dealing with some of the internal things, and yes. it goes back to. The, the DNA part goes back to what you were talking about with the food and the functional medicine. It's it's at that level that everything starts and that we need to really think about taking care of down to the DNA level.
6: And the genetic, I just a little comment about the genetic, uh, your genetic comment there. You know, within the genes, uh, you know, Bruce, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief. I do. So... Basically, the body in its healthy state can deal with all these attacks that come with us. And when we eat appropriately and our environment is kept healthy, then those genetic predispositions never really manifest. It's only in the unhealthy environment where we're not paying attention and not caring about ourselves not loving ourselves and so on and so forth uh that then that can trigger that gene to to come into being so for all of us then it's critically important about food
2: Um, is there anything that you've come across lately that you would like to recommend or pass on in terms of a a book or a a video or something that, that you want to tell people, make sure you check this out.
6: Well, I have found for myself sometimes now that, I mean, I work so much on myself on a regular basis and I've delved so deeply into the spiritual realm of things that I've, I've found that I like reading novels lately because they're a great escape and, and they're so much better than TV and you're in your own world there, and it and it really is uh, an escape in the best of ways to me, you know. We're creating a world through words and what they say, and it, and it it's, uh, lets us see, I think, also that we do the same thing in our own lives through our mental state by creating our own world by what we think. But just to go into the book a little bit, a bit um, so what I've, I've been reading the Game of Thrones, which is really marvelous. it's way better than the TV series. I, I've read all the books because my children are really into it. so I thought this would give us a great way to have some conversation. And then I kind of watched the HBO series and oh my gosh, you missed so much compared to the books but what a wonderful fun thing and you really see you know the Game of Thrones is a continuing experience within the world today it's still going on and then I've also uh, discovered Starhawk who is an uh, ecologist activist permaculture She's a great at mediation of groups, of community, how to really get along in community and, and what's necessary, and so I've read The Fifth Sacred Thing, and now she has her sequel, which is called The City of Refuge, and it is just wonderful, really, because it, it shows the world separated, you know, the North and the South, but it shows how this community has survived and what they've done and how they've made it whole again and the healing work that people have had to take on and how they've created and changed and planted everything and cleaned up the water and everything. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's very exciting and full of information to see because the world is not always going to be as it is now. I mean, deep change is upon us, as I see. So when we can see that it's possible for people to work together and to create a new world, this is going along with the new spring, the new perspective, the functional medicine, how we eat our food, how we care for ourselves, all those things affect the world in the most beautiful of ways. So I just encourage us to have a little read before we go to bed, quiet the mind, maybe do a little stretching, some yoga, have a little cup of tea, read our book, because also more and more studies are coming out about how important sleep is. And so when we can take care of ourselves in that way, we have a good life.
2: So we might recommend that people just look up some books by Mark Hyman if they were interested in finding out more about functional medicine uh, and that kind of thing as well. Yes. Uh, Well, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today and to share these things with us. And are there any final thoughts that you want to offer people as we set off to enjoy the, the spring season?
6: As we take into account all the things that we've talked about and shared here today, it's really about learning how to live well. It's all part of living well. And Perhaps with this new cycle that we're entering into, we can make that our intention, that in this new coming year that we indeed learn to live well by taking care of ourselves and our planet, each other.
2: And can you just let people know where they can find out information about the different services and offerings that you have and how they can get in contact with you if they wanted to explore more or... Um, work with you in some way?
6: So for any of you that would like to get in touch with me further, I I offer uh, several things that we could talk about. So you can reach me at my email, which would be linda at prestia, P-R-E-S-T-I-A dot com. And I welcome any inquiry.
2: Great. Well, thank you very much, Linda Wiley. And I wish you a Fruitful and fully blooming spring season. Thank you. And stay tuned. If you'd like to get into the queue for a reading in just a few minutes, then you can either connect in from the show page or you can call 646 716 5510, and that will get you into the queue. And we'll be going into readings shortly, just after our astrology update for the coming month. So, stay tuned for that. Get into the queue if you're interested in a reading. And my name is Hi C. You're listening to Revolution. We'll be right back.
1: And we have come through the balancing point of equinox and arrived at the height of the vernal phase for the northern hemisphere. In the spirit of the new season, and one carrying the spunky and anarchistic bent of the ram, Aries, I'm presenting each sign with its own customized razor that aptly fits the profile of the undeveloped qualities in each sign. Let's get to it, shall we? Aries, Global Autonomous Zone. Your razor is precision. Your politics is deconstructing crypto-fascism. Sometimes Aries is susceptible to being imprecise. So this is your razor, the edge you are pushing, which is to say, develop a laser light focus on only a few areas where you have the most leverage. Doing this can concentrate your energy so it doesn't dissipate and has the most impact. Along these lines, your razor as it applies to the world is to refine your best tactics for tackling the most salient of existential problems. So Aries, I am compelling you to headlong smash with precision any philosophy that seeks dominance over others by invoking the nature fallacy. Do it precisely. Focus where you have the most influence. Leave the rest a blur. The world needs vociferous firebrands, social justice warriors, anarchists and radicals and others who are actively shaking up the status quo because if something doesn't change, then it's end game for humanity. Which brings us to Taurus. We are, we're calling this month for you post-scarcity era. Your razor is chaos and your politics is establishing a new economics. Taurus is known for being a placid and serene sign Provided they haven't been sufficiently pissed off, in which case the fury released is built into a federal case and it's a scorched earth policy. While this makes them agreeable individuals, it also means that they are mildly upset by changes in their environment and prefer stability over variability. As such, the bull's razor is learning to wield the creativity inherent in chaos. Contemplate the role of chaos in your lives as well as how you might use it to make necessary changes to bring the world system into a new equilibrium. Taurus is a symbol correlated to the world of finance. The current economic arrangement may have been a necessary step, but what was designed to serve is now becoming a detriment. Taurus, you are being honored with establishing the foundations of a new economic era, one that will bring far more stability to many more people and address the gross maldistribution of wealth we are currently seeing in the world. A great area to begin with, it with is establishing the viability of a post-scarcity economics. This will be based on an assessment of available resources on the planet and the most beneficial uses for those resources with an eye on sustainable use and conservation ethics. It will ensure these resources are not used up before they can recharge naturally. Which then brings us to Gemini, and we've, we're calling yours Internet Age Conspiracy. The razor for Gemini is stillness and the politics is addressing addressing government spying. The supreme challenge for a Gemini is to sit still longer than five
5: minutes.
1: (laughs) This is not a criticism of Gemini, it is the variable nature of this sign that makes these folks so charming and exciting to be with. That said, the constant motion can actually stress the Gemini out. And so they benefit the most from meditative stillness to really have a moment to conceive of the myriad of perceptions that cross their mind in a day. It is also the development of a laser-like focus that will better assist them in addressing their symbolic political issue, that of electronic transparency in the age of the Internet. Gemini is given the honor of creating transparency in the electronic age. There are grassroots efforts which seek to protect privacy that enterprising Geminis can be part of. It could also be as simple as encrypting the files on your computer so you can't be spied on. In any case, the twins are there to pound the alarm, aka Nicki Minaj, when egregious misuse of novel technology occurs. Cancer, Indigenous legacies. Your razor is xenophilia. Your politics is defending indigenous people. Cancer is the repository of genetic legacies tribal wisdom and ancestral memory and it makes sense that its symbol is Mothering and speaks to the idea of Pachamama an indigenous indigenous Conception of the earth mother among the Inca and this archetype is ancient and found in every culture in one form or another There's a very logical reason for this as we are quite literally the children of this planet we are the result of ancient forces converging along with the protein molecule DNA gestating in the rocky substrate of our planetary mother to emerge eventually as consciousness and animate life. Along these lines, Cancer, because we are living in a more globalized world, we are in contact with a myriad of cultures. The skill to build a xenophilia, or a love of the foreign and unknown. One of Cancer's limitations is that it can be largely ethnocentric and ultimately insular in its conception. This emerges innocently from its protective and nurturing stance. That said, it lends itself to extension into the political issue central to Cancer and that is the defense of indigenous people. It falls to Cancer that holds the memories to, co- that holds the memories to continue the work of disentrenching the ancestors from these darker places and bringing to light the plight of these people and engaging a project of cultural preservation and autonomy in light of powerful elites seeking to erase these cultures forever for the sake of profit. Cancer is recasting the history of the world's people and is engaged in honoring the living memory of these people. Leo's delete the elite. So Leo's your razor is humility and your politics is deconstructing the global oligarchy. Your razor is humility, but not the kind that puts you inferior to anyone but on equal footing with everyone and one in which natural leadership skills come to the fore but instead of garnering command from on high, you are leading by example in the trenches with your equals, the body politic, the every man and every woman and all the other genders too which serves as an excellent entree into the political arena that Leo will excel at, in this case, deconstructing the global oligarchy that has has begun to amass enough influence that they are pulling the levers of the world and guiding once-autonomous governments into policies that favored moneyed elites and steamroll over the people that these governments are designed to represent. Leo, your task is to find a way to throw a wrench in the gears and interrupt that machine. Whether it is as simple as posting the information on a blog or getting out there into the streets and marching, you alone are equipped to do it with flair and a drama that will leave a lasting impact as though it were a performance of Shakespeare. The lions of the Zodiac are natural-born performers, and a little guerrilla political theater is certainly within their purview. Which brings us to Virgo, and your post this month is Expect Resistance. Your razor is resistance and your politics is climate change. Virgo is the worker of the Zodiac and always wants to serve in some way. The Virgin is learning, however, that there is a universe of difference between service and servitude. There is a thin red line between the artisan and the serf, and it is along these lines that the razor of Virgo develops. It is the concept of resistance. It is the one tool left when it is down to the eleventh hour, the one instinct left with all, when all the freedoms of civil society have been stripped away by illegitimate power. Resistance is the power of the flowering of various movements of resistance that speak truth to power and resist the machinations of hegemonic structures that no longer serve the interests of the rank and file. Oddly, for it being the sign's razor, it emerges organically from the very symbolic foundations of the Virgin itself. For a Virgin in the original sense of the term meant one who had never been married, which is to say, one who had never been owned. That is Virgo in essence, the one who is self-possessed and whose service to others emerges from a deep instinct of wholeness and internal integrity. From this base of internal consistency, the Virgo declares, I will be a slave no more, I will be the monarch of my own flesh. This conception also dovetails seamlessly into the issue most pressing to the Virgo symbol catalog, that of climate change and the integrity of Terran life support systems. Virgo is the one cipher that stands as the last refuge as the 11th hour victory when the blowtorch is at our cheek. Virgo is the one that knows what is at stake and what needs to be done and knows it is the greatest service to be of service to life itself. Libra, your post is called the constellation of civility. Your razor is conviction and your politics is justice in its myriad forms. Libra is constantly trying to achieve equilibrium in a dynamic process that mirrors all natural systems. It is seeking to balance both sides of a primal equation the one which started in the primordial expansion of space-time at the beginning of our universe. Libra is known for being indecisive, balancing the options to find the middle path of the time-consuming process, dispassionate and impartial because justice is blind. It is these qualities that lend themselves to fairness, civility and justice, the hallmarks of Libra. However, there is another side to the Libra archetype which is rarely explored best personified by the goddess Nemesis. She's the, god of goddess, she's the god of revenge, and namely, she avenges those who have been wronged by society's structural injustices. This is the side of Libra that is not blind and represents the sword of justice that comes down swiftly to punish wrongdoing in the name of fairness. This is also the source of Libra's razor, conviction. To wield the sword of justice requires conviction and a self-possessed conception that you are fighting for truth and fairness in, the world where, in, the world where, in a world where there are things called the downtown bullshit machine. This, of course, lends itself to Libra's primary political obje- objective, establishing justice and civility for all. Libra is, va- is guided by the conviction that no one is free until all are free. There are many movements afoot that are seeking to establish justice as the default position of our society. Libra fights for justice not from impartiality, but from an impassioned understanding of basic fairness, which brings us to Scorpio. Your post this month is called Goddess of Ataraxia. Your razor is equanimity, and your politics is energy and other shared resources. Scorpio is known for its vagaries and extremes and a great deal less for its ability to keep a cool head and not succumbing to its intense feelings. Whereas some people think their way through problems, Scorpio feels their way through, intensely and deeply. Scorpio also understands the contingent nature of reality and how all destinies are inextricably linked to all other destinies, which is to say self-interest concerns more than the skin and scapulated ego. Scorpio is the one who understands collective power and that true power is never concentrated but is diffused. In summary, it is power with and never power over. Perhaps it is why shared resources fall under the purview of Scorpio, and this includes everything from sex and joint bank accounts to the resources and wealth of an entire society. A balanced and cool-headed approach is needed to properly manage resources as big as petroleum, atomic energy, and the like, as this is the source of Scorpio's razor, the need to achieve a state of equanimity even in the presence of potential annihilating forces. This also becomes the impetus for Scorpio's politics, which is energy and other shared resources. Scorpio is uniquely attuned to these issues and has the intelligence and intensity read tenacity to endure everything it takes to implement a course correction. What is needed, however, is a diplomatic approach and the ability to stay calm under the immense pressures of changing an entire cultural infrastructure. This is the challenging aspect for Scorpio, a sign which would much rather organize the mob. Instead, a steady approach is needed where we keep our cool, Express the collective outrage but maintain maintain an even keel in the process Which naturally will bring us to Sagittarius your post is called love me like the atom bomb and your razor is gravitas Your politics are anti-colonialism and a globalization that respects cultural diversity Has Sagittarius has the unfortunate distinction of being seen as flighty and insubstantial this stems from the fact that That the archer is a clown and likes to goof off. And what's not to love about that exactly? Nothing is further from the truth. The archer is a font of wisdom, lived experience, and lofty ideals. From this uncharitable perspective comes the archer's razor gravitas. I'm stoking the fire and reminding all sages that if you've got it, flaunt it. Bring out the side of you that is wise, lofty, and sagely. Don't hide that experience, but infuse it into your life. It will prove especially useful in the politics to which this sign is most resonant, taking on the colonial elements of globalization. Globalization is not an evil system of oppression. Its implementation, however, has fueled oppressions in foreign lands and diverse cultures. The Sagittarian task, then, is to promote a globalism globalism that also respects the rights and autonomy of distinct cultures, and what's more, not support policy that displaces them and sets up political arrangements that lead to unrest and instability and drive refugee crises and civil wars. Globalism is a boon to our species. It eliminates poverty, allows for the diffusion of new ideas, and makes us enlarge our sphere of concern. But it takes on dark dimensions when a culture of domination attempts to harness it to maintain status hierarchies that are damaging to people and planet. The archer with the gravitas of its higher ideals is uniquely placed to address this this imbalance. Which now brings us to Capricorn. Your post is called Whistleblower Status Protection. Your razor is playfulness and your politics is corruption. Capricorn is known for being forthright and intensely serious, to the point of being as serious as a heart attack. It is mostly motivated by their fiercely ambitious natures and their desire to getting down to brass tacks. It is also the source of their razor, the need for playfulness. There is a certain lightening up that comes with life, otherwise despair can creep in and stunt the imagination, rendering life a hopeless veil of tears. This is Capricorn's default position. A lusty playfulness under the crisp exterior in essence Capricorn is desire realized and made into flesh Capricorn can fiercely engage with the world and this is or can fearlessly engage with the world and this is good because its political arena requires a level of engagement where angels fear to tread Capricorn is rooting out corruption whether it is whistleblowing a corporation for unethical and illegal practices or campaigning for election reform to remove corruption from the political process. It is all about insisting on transparency and honesty. The difference, instead of it being serious business, I want Capricorn to play with it. To recognize existence is a kind of game, and once you learn the rules, you can bend them for the sake of justice, for the sake of a greater good. Capricorn represents social institutions, and all of ours are all of ours currently need changing. Many of them are broken. It is Capricorn carries the responsibility for calling this out, and what's more, is it can be done in a playful way. Think political street theater, which of course brings us naturally to Aquarius, and your post is called Outlaws, Seditioners, and Radicals. Your razor is power your politics is oppression Aquarius the repository of all things humanitarian revolutionary and innovative preferring collective power over individual power always an individualist for certain but uniquely unwilling to acquire power for personal ends, but always for the liberation of the masses water bearers this is the crux of your razor power power that can be shared with the selfless abundance of nature This is the power to provide, the power to share and be a conduit of valuable essence. Aquarius has true power, the capacity to act, the ability to provide for what is needed, and the foundation for liberty. The power to provide is most definitely needed in your political arena, the concerns of the oppressed. Aquarius is a champion of oppressed peoples and devotes themselves to the cause of liberation from all forms of oppression. Along these lines, the power to act to secure liberty for self and others is of utmost importance here, and it is the arena in which the water-bearer excels. Addressing systems of oppression, whether they be of other people or of nature itself, there are no shortage of oppressions to choose from. Aquarius, don't fear personal power. You have the foresight to use power to liberate and inspire. Which brings us to Pisces. You hold the virus of life. Your razor is contagion and your politics is sea level rise. The one thing that you have left to cultivate is also your razor. Contagion. Of all the skills in your coterie, this is the one least used. Pisces is a highly imaginative sign, and along these lines, they understand the power of a cultural meme and its ability to guide collective behavior through a kind of critical mass. The fishes also understand that if you mutate a meme and it reaches the right amount of people, it can change the entire trajectory that a culture is on. The thing about memes is that they work through contagion. And as such, Pisces, you are tasked with learning how to, to take a meme and make it both highly contagious and highly infectious to massively change the organism known as society. Your medium for this is art and any other vehicle that moves people at the level of deeply felt sentiments. This dovetails organically with your political practice, which is addressing the urgency of rapid sea level rise. Pisces is, after all, a water sign and its attendant issue, climate change. Your task, my wonderful fish friends, is to make this message into a meme and then spread it far and wide in a highly infectious contagion which will garner a collective critical mass to change the entire vector of our culture so we begin to aggressively address this selective pressure and rapidly change our way of life to better reflect reality. No pressure. You've got this, Pisces. Space cadets, I do believe that about sums it up for April. I can't promise we will change the culture in a month, obviously, but at least we now have some direction and some perceptual tools to at least ready ourselves for the profound changes ahead. With that, be sure to like me on Facebook at Prometheus Jones the Astrologer. I'm also, I also have my blog linked through the website The Siderealist, which is www.siderealist.com, that's spelled T-H-E-S-I-D-E-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also find links for that particular page on my blog, as well as a link to this program and a link to the Facebook page by visiting www.flyingpunkrockunicorn.com. I'll see you all next month, Space Cadets. Keep your eyes on the skies.
5: Listening to Revolution with host Hecy Lutmer's. Find out more at facebook.com slash revolution with C.
2: And welcome back. Thank you so much for listening so far. We've reached the point in the show where you have a chance to receive a reading live on the air. My name is Hi C, your host, uh, who has been here all day and is also offering you readings. If you'd like to find out more about me as a reader, um, I am a tarot reader primarily, but I do pull from other things, including astrology, numerology, I Ching, etc. I'm also a ritual and magic consultant. So if you were wanting to craft some sort of ritual for yourself, whether that's a Wedding ritual, which I am also uh, ordained to be able to perform, um, or something on a personal level to draw prosperity or to help um, break the connection to something or to uh, change the energy in a space. Uh, I'm certainly happy to consult with you about those and help to craft something that you can do regardless of your experience level and knowledge level about those things. We can be as simple or complex as you want. You can find out all about all of that as well as setting up private sessions with me. Uh, by visiting my website at tarotbyhighc.net, or you can email me highc@tarotbyhighc.net, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, just search for Tarot by High C, or go to facebook.com/tarothighc, and you can like my page as well as send me a message through there. If you would like to get into the queue for a reading at this point in the show, you can do so by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716. 5510. And that will get you into the queue. So I will go ahead and we will go to our first caller. And this is someone who is calling from area code 914.
7: Hello. Thank you for taking my call.
2: You're welcome. What's your name and where are you calling from?
7: Lauren, New York.
2: Well, welcome. And hopefully you're having a a, Pleasant, nice spring day there in New York.
7: Yes, and it's been a great show so far. So I wanted to thank you. And yes, I've really enjoyed listening. Very informative.
2: Well, thank you very much. Uh, So what is it that you would like for us to look at in a reading for you?
7: Um, I'd like to approach uh, three companies that I'm hoping will take me on as a client. And I was wondering if you could see um, which one it would be. Um, or how I should approach them. Um, but there's th- three options I have in mind. So I was wondering if you could tell me which one would be the best or would say, yes, we want to work with you.
2: So um, is there a way that you can distinguish the three companies for me, whether it's the names, but you don't have to do that. It could be the first letter of each company just so we can um,
7: oh, sure. distinguish
4: them? Mm-hmm.
7: Sure. Um, One is uh, with a T, one is with an I, and one is with a P.
4: All right. So,
2: um, well, the first thing that I can say is if I just had to look at those three, uh, the first one, the T, um, is the one that I would perhaps set to the side. Uh-huh. The second and the third one are both very strong. There's oh, wow. an an interesting difference, I guess you could say. Now, one thing I will say, so the um, the first one, the card that came up representing it in particular is the Ace of Wands reversed, and that says, we don't want to put a lot of energy here. Um, it could say this isn't going to really help us shine, but it just says uh, it, it's like, you know, trying to start a car and the the tank is empty. There's no reason to keep trying to start the car and like, you know, right, uh, right. ruin the engine, I guess you could say. There, there's there's nothing there to really fuel or spark it to be able to grow or to move forward. Um, now, for the second and third companies, both of them are in the suit of Pentacles Um, that can show us that they are very solid that can show us that in some ways we may approach them where they are able to perhaps offer or provide what we need on a material level Um, they aren't necessarily going to be something that is tied into our deepest passion or you know what we want to do as a career that's going to fulfill us in the greatest way but They can be very strong, very stable, they're very viable, and they are very likely to be able to at least meet or offer uh, material needs. So it's like having a job versus something that's part of your career, but understanding that this job is providing what we need and is important at this time. And the Pentacles is also um, the suit of the earth. So it also says that these are going to be really good for helping to establish a foundation or to stabilize things. So sometimes we take a job because we just need to stabilize our financial situation. Um, Or it could be something that says, this is going to give me a really good base of experience, et cetera, in order to then be able to progress or to get something else in the future as a result of having built this foundation first or, or strengthened this foundation first. So the, the the differences between these two, you have the Ace of Pentacles for the second company that started with the I, and the
4: okay.
2: third company is called the King of Pentacles. So Ace of Pentacles for the first one. Aces represent the ability to plant a seed and to see growth, um, because aces represent the beginning or the start or the initiation of something, because the suits go Ace through Ten. So Ace of Pentacles for that says this would be a really good place to start. This would probably have something that is that may represent greater growth potential uh, in some ways um, and would really be a great place to uh, uh, plant our seed in order to begin to build something, grow something, or establish something that can lead to much more later. The King of wow. Pentacles for the third company um, Kings. So we have four court cards or people cards, and they they grow up in the sense of page, knight, queen, king. And so king is is like the most mature. It's at the highest level. So one thing that that could say is we may be able to go in at a higher level. Like this may be a company where we're able to go in, getting a slightly higher uh, title or you know that kind of thing. Um, or we may be in more of a responsibility or leadership kind of position. But the the only concern I would have there is because the king represents this kind of um, experienced or mature aspect, we may not have as much room for growth um, or advancement there. So it, it'd be like going someplace and being able to go in and get a really great salary. but the ability to really increase that salary over time is relatively minimal because we're already starting very close to kind of what the the cap or the threshold is for what the salary could be in that position anyway, whereas the ace of pentacles in that second company would represent more, I may be going in at a slightly lower position or a slightly lower salary, but there's a lot more room for growth or for advancement or for increase there versus the third one. And it doesn't mean the third one is bad in any way. Uh-huh. The, these are both very good. It just depends on the approach that you're looking for or what you're trying to get out of the place that you're going to be working in. Um, so uh, now I would, so I had also pulled um, three cards because uh, you'd also kind of asked this in the question about just what's the best Approach or you know what can help what might be the the biggest hindrance and that kind of thing um, yeah, in yeah, terms of the so o- much. yeah um in terms of the overall situation, the card that comes up is is the hermit now the hermit is number nine and nine represents coming to the completion of a particular phase or chapter or cycle, so this would say that we want to approach this as how how does this allow me to move into either a final phase of something or how does this represent the final step in this chapter or phase that I've been trying to work within, um, what's going to bring it to completion, to fruition, um, and then open up future potential. Um, And I will say that the hermit oftentimes represents us doing things on our own. So it could be looking at opportunities where we are working more for ourselves, which may mean, as a contractor versus getting hired as an employee, but it can also represent the idea of having more autonomy in what we're doing. Like we're given a project and then they just kind of send us off for a couple of months to do the project. We don't have to be working with a team. We don't have to be constantly answering to someone. We're kind of given our little cave, if you think of a hermit, our little cave to Mm. work in. And, and, you know, that's kind of the way that it's structured in terms of how it operates. Um, in terms of what can be most helpful, we have the Queen of Swords. And Queen of Swords is about being serious, being focused, um, making the decisions that we know are right, and not letting emotion get in the way of how we approach or make the decision about something. So we, we do the research, we have the evidence, we, we are very direct in what it is that we're looking for. We know our own mind. We know our own capability. We know what it, what we're expecting this to do or to offer for us in terms of our own plan for ourselves. And and we go after that accordingly. And, and that's where I would come back to because Queen of Swords, when I say it, like we don't let emotion come into the equation, um, a Queen of Swords is like the the, the the person who would say, okay, this may not be a job that I'll love This may not be a job that'll give me the greatest, you know, creative satisfaction and fulfillment. However, it fits into my plan perfectly because if I can go work here and be there for a year, that'll help me to pay off my debt and get to a financial stable place. And then I can really look for the job that I want. So Mm -hmm. it's that kind of approach. We're taking a very logical, rational business kind of approach to how we search and how we decide on what to take. Rather than well, yeah, it would pay great, but I don't know if I'd really like it there, well, okay, that's fine, but if we have a plan in place, then we know that I may not you know I may not love it there, I may not necessarily look forward to being there in in that kind of bigger way, but if I know that I'm planning to just be there for a year because it's serving a purpose, then I can but but that's because I have the plan that I know I need to execute and that I'm working within for myself and my own needs so I will make that decision because it fits into the plan and and serves the purpose for what my plan needs for myself and I'm not going to let the fact that oh I don't know if I like being there get in the way of seeing how it'll serve the plan because it'll be finite in terms of mm. how long I'll be there and I may not be as miserable as I think I would be being there because I'll understand being there is for a very particular purpose and and not some place where I took a job and I didn't know if it was going to be for a year, for 20, ten years, and I don't know if I could be here for ten years and da, da da da. Versus nope, I know I'm here for a purpose based on my plan and I know it's for a year, therefore I can deal with it. That's fine. I can just suck it up.
7: Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well. Wow. It's amazing how how accurate. It, yeah. Wow. Everything that you said um, really resonates. Um, that's just amazing.
2: And, and, you know, based on that, both of the Hermit card and that Queen of Swords, I would say that perhaps Just ever so slightly. If I had to rank the three options, obviously we're taking number one out of the equation. That was number three. We don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. If I had to rank the second and third ones, I would put the third one slightly higher on the ranking scale because that king of Pentacles represents that idea of moving into maturity. uh, Kings represent like stability and and security and that kind of thing. Um, And so there is. And then if we go back to the hermit, which is the nine, the nine of completion and that kind of thing correlates to the idea of the king being kind of that mature level, that stable level, because it's the end of the growth cycle. Um, And even the queen of swords, queen of swords says, okay, I see the possibility in this. It may not be because I'm going to it for great growth potential, but I see what it's going to offer for the other things I'm trying to accomplish. And so, I would move the King of Pentacles just a little higher than the Ace of Pentacles. Aces, since they're the beginning, are more like the child phase, and the King mm-hmm. is more the, the mature phase. And since we have the Hermit, which is the nine nines being more the mature number because they're at the end of the cycle, and the Queens, Queens and Kings both kind of represent this mature aspect of things. Um, I would probably push the King of Pentacles just a little higher on the scale of what to consider as my top choice top priority to put energy to but know that the that, that the second one is still really really good so we're not going to do bad by ourselves if we end up in the second one either
7: wow wow that's really yeah yeah that was yeah the the first one i i kind of felt um was yeah kind of yeah not as viable and yeah you really confirmed that and and thank you. And just approach them both like this is business. It's one, two, three, just be direct and to the point, And that's the best way
2: to yes. to approach them. And, and, and I will say um, the third one with the King of Pentacles, they may also be better able to recognize your experience, recognize what you've accomplished, recognize what you're really good at and strong at, and really be able to um, acknowledge that and support that and and be willing to tap into that whereas the second one with the ace of pentacles they may see they may not see some of that and they just see you as a new employee versus Mm. recognizing what has come before that may also serve them well and that's where the king of pentacles comes in which again is why i kind of bump it up just a little bit because we do get a little bit more of that acknowledgement recognition and, and their ability to be able to say, let's take advantage of what you bring to the table here rather than bring you in new and hope we can mold you into what it is that we want you to be or need you to be for our company.
7: Right, right. Wow. Yeah. From what I've, you know, kind of surveyed from the outside of looking in that, that makes sense as well.
4: Excellent. Wow. well
2: hopefully that helped a little bit even if just to know where to focus your attention and energy for what you go after a little more you know aggressively or whatever
7: definitely oh it's helped immensely thank you thank you so very much
2: well you're more than welcome thanks for taking some time to call in
7: thank you for the wonderful show too
2: sure and enjoy the rest of your sunday
7: Thank you, and you also. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you.
2: So that's going to bring us to the close of our show. I want to thank everyone for listening, and hopefully, you found some. Useful information, interesting information in, in the rest of the show. I am here for Revolution every second Sunday of the month. So the next show will be on May 8th. I also host another show called The Amethyst Historical, which airs on the second Tuesdays of each month. And the next one will be coming up this coming Tuesday. Yeah. I encourage you to tune in for that. I'm uh, interviewing someone about how using things like oracles of all sorts, um, whether it's cards or astrology or I Ching or whatever, but how those really served as kind of a support and best friend for her in dealing with some very difficult situations and moving through some areas of grief and challenge in her life over the past few years, which I think is not some way, uh, not, not a way that a lot of people may think of these things, but she found that they really became almost like a best friend to her and a very, very strong support system. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit about that, I encourage you to tune in on Tuesday um, for that show as well. And you can always hear these shows later after they have aired here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can find them on iTunes. So I'm happy to have you there live. But if you aren't able to listen live, you always can have the chance to listen to these shows as well as all of the shows under the SoulVox network. any time after they have aired. So thank you very much for listening and I will wish you an amazing rest of your Sunday afternoon and an amazing month and I will look forward to joining you here again next month on
5: Revolution with Hi-C. Revolution with host Hi-C Lutmers. Find out more at facebook.com slash High c Please join us next time for Amethyst Oracle with Heidi Ludmers and Charlie Harrington, Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. This is Deb Carousella. Thank you for joining us.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW, void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.